let's uh, just as we stand in the presence of God, I believe it'll be on the screen there, the Pledge of Allegiance. Do we have that on the screen? So let's just uh, just put your hand over your heart, look up here at the flag, and let's let's say the Pledge of Allegiance right before we get into the Word of God. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Now stand with me if you would. As they turn the lights up, just standing in the presence of God, we're going to read the Word of God here, just a few scriptures as we stand in the presence of God. Be up on the screen for you. If you have your Bibles, you can turn in your Bibles. But open to Isaiah, the ninth chapter. You can stand and turn in your Bible, can't you? Standing in the presence of God as we read the Holy Word of God. Isaiah, the ninth chapter. Isaiah, the ninth chapter. And beginning in the eighth verse. Isaiah, the ninth chapter. Beginning in the 8th verse. The Lord sent a word against Jacob, and it has fallen on Israel. All the people will know, Ephraim and the inhabitant of Samaria, who say in pride and arrogance of heart, The bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild them. Or we will be, we will rebuild with hewn stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we will replace them with cedars. Verse 13 says, For the people do not turn to him who strikes them, nor do they seek the Lord of hosts. Titling this message today, America. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your presence here today. I thank you for your holy written word. I thank you for this great nation in which we live. And as this word goes out by the Spirit of God, I just pray, O God, that the hearts of the people would be open. Not only in this auditorium, but those who may hear it over the internet, that they'd hear just exactly what it is that the Spirit of God is saying to them. And we just thank you for it. I pray for myself that your anointing would be upon me, that I'd speak just as it would as, as it would be as the Spirit of God would have me to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Some weeks ago, I was watching Perry Stone on television. He's an excellent minister of the gospel. And he had as a guest Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, who is a Messianic Jew, it's one who accepts Jesus as Messiah. And he was talking about a revelation from the Word of God that the Holy Spirit has given him. And in fact, he has a book on the New York Times bestseller list called the Harbinger. And the thing that struck me about this man is he was not interested in promoting himself, as so many are. He was not interested in promoting his book, as so many are. But he was interested in promoting the message, the revelation that God has given him for America from the Word of God. From the Word of God. As I listened to him, in my heart, I said as I watched, that's right. It fits what I've seen as I've prayed for America. Now, I'm not one to promote other people's books, and I'm not promoting this one. I promote the Bible. But I will say that the message that he has in this book is from the Lord. And I believe him to be a man of God. And he's interested in promoting the message that God's given him from the word of God. And I agree wholeheartedly. Now you might ask, what is a harbinger? What is a harbinger? A harbinger is a sign or warning of something to come. Like a robin would be a harbinger of spring. 
you hear the robins sing and you think, well, spring is, is, is here or it's, it's almost here. And a harbinger in this message today is a warning sign of God's impending judgment upon America and of a call to national repentance. Some 2,500 years ago, Israel, ancient Israel, had several harbingers or warning signs that appeared unto them approximately 10 years before God ultimately judged them and wiped her off the map. God shook Israel, warned her again and again, but she would not repent, and eventually God removed her from the scene. Israel and America are the only two nations founded from their inception upon Almighty God and dedicated to Him. Both Israel and America, in the process of time, turned away from God and His Word. God sent prophets to Israel warning them to turn from their wicked evil ways and believe me their ways were wicked and evil sacrificing their children in fire and as shocking as that is how many babies are murdered every week in this nation through abortion God sent prophets to Israel warning them to turn from their wicked ways and come back to him. There were also false prophets in Israel who cried out to the people and told them everything's fine. Everything's wonderful. Peace and blessing to you. Ignoring their sinful practices. Eventually, God momentarily lifted his hedge of protection from Israel and allowed Assyria to strike. It was a limited strike, and it's interesting, affecting their temple mount. You'll want to remember that. The strike upon Israel was contained, and then there was a time or a space for repentance. This limited strike upon Israel was to get Israel's attention, as the prophets of God could not do, to wake them up, to get them to repent and turn back to God. Rather than repenting, however, Israel declared with a spirit of defiance and arrogance, Isaiah 9 verse 10. And you'll want to note that again. Here's what they declared. The bricks have fallen down. But we will rebuild with hewn or cut or quarried stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we will replace them with cedars. You see what they were saying is, is that we're going to rebuild. We're going to come back stronger. But yet... It was without national repentance. And it's interesting, there are some amazing parallels, and I'll say that again, amazing parallels between Israel and America along these lines. And that is what this man of God, Jonathan Kahn, points out. And I believe it's right on the money, and I want to share it with you today. Parallels between Israel and America. For years and years prior to 9-11, how many of you remember that Tuesday morning? 9-11, 2001, when the planes crashed into the World Trade Centers and of course into the Pentagon and For years prior to 9-11, years and years, God sent forth his ministers to America, calling her back to him. Yet America as a whole would have no part of it, just like Israel would have no part 
of the message God sent to them. And it's interesting, in Israel, there was a harbinger, a sign, a warning sign. There was a hedge of protection upon Israel, and that hedge of protection was momentarily lifted, and the Assyrians were able to strike, and it was limited, it was contained. And it's interesting, on 9-11, I believe, now you may disagree, but I believe... God momentarily lifted his hedge of protection from America and allowed the enemy to make a limited strike. It was contained in New York at the Trade Towers and Washington, D.C. It definitely got America's attention. Now, you must understand something about the judgment of God... And people, God's people know not his judgment so many times. But one aspect of God's judgment is he will lift his hand of protection. He will, and that's a form of judgment. He doesn't do it overnight, but after warning somebody for years and years and years and years, very oftentimes he'll lift his hand of protection. Now, Somebody says, well, did God kill all those people on 9-11? Absolutely not. How many of you know God's not a murderer? Amen. And God doesn't work in conjunction with the devil and God doesn't use the devil. Say amen. However, having said that, when God lifts his hand of protection, then the enemy can come in and do evil things. God's intention there, and you see that throughout the Bible, God's intention there is for his, to get his people's attention to wake them up and have them come back to him and walk with him. On 9-11, I believe God momentarily lifted his hedge of protection from America and allowed the enemy to make a limited strike contained in New York and Washington And it definitely got America's attention. Now it's interesting, in Israel, after that happened there at the Temple Mount and so on, the leaders of Israel proclaimed, the bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild with hewn stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we will replace them with cedars. It's interesting, because this is another harbinger, I believe, to the United States. That on 9-12, the day after 9-11, Senator, Senator Tom uh, Daschle, the Senate Majority Leader, declared from the Senate floor in, in, in America's response to the world of what happened on 9-11. Do you know which scripture he quoted, not even realizing what he was doing But he quoted Isaiah 9 and 10. 9 verse 10. The bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild with hewn stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we will replace them with cedars. He quote of all the scriptures that he could have used from the Bible, unbeknownst to him, but yet should have been a warning sign to us. And thank God Jonathan Kahn has caught this and seen this. But Tom Daschle proclaims these words, unbeknownst to him, of all the scriptures he could use. He picked this one, a harbinger. And then it's interesting that that as he proclaimed the the scripture, the bricks have fallen down, but will rebuild with hewn stones and so on. See, what he was saying is that America is going to rebuild. We're going to come back from 9-11. We're going to rebuild. And that's all good. However... He never talked about repentance. He never mentioned anything about national repentance. It's interesting, on the third anniversary of 9-11, John Edwards, then vice presidential candidate, delivered a speech using Isaiah chapter 9, verse 10, about the bricks falling down. He used that scripture as the central point of his speech. Again, crying out, we will rebuild. 
but yet it was without repentance. President Barack Obama, in his first address to Congress, after the financial collapse, which we'll talk about in just a moment, his central point in his first address to Congress was, we will rebuild. Again, nothing wrong with rebuilding, but it's rebuilding without repentance. Then the harbingers continue on. Isaiah 9 verse 10 talks about the sycamores being replaced with cedars. Well, it's interesting when the Assyrians came upon Israel, they cut down the sycamores. Now, you need to realize that in the Bible, sycamores being cut down or uprooted is a sign of national judgment by God. And it's interesting, that is exactly what happened at Ground Zero in New York. When the last of the World Trade Buildings came down, there was a beam that struck a nearby sycamore tree and uprooted it. Think of it, a sycamore tree in the city of New York. But yet that's exactly what happened when the last building collapsed. There was a beam that came out from it and it struck a nearby sycamore tree and uprooted it. Now it's interesting, three years later, unbeknownst to anybody at the time, three years later that sycamore tree was replaced with the exact same type of cedar tree used in in the Bible. And the people in New York called it the tree of hope. When in actuality, it is a tree of national judgment upon America. And again, I want to point out, Tom Daschle didn't know when he made that address on 9-12 that a sycamore tree had fallen. He had no clue. But you see, these are harbingers. These are warning signs, parallels with Israel that I think we ought to take a look at. You say, what about that stone, Pastor? They talked about cut stone. Interesting. There was a 20-ton stone quarried or cut or hewn from the mountains of New York that was brought to ground zero where the bricks had fallen. It's interesting in News articles back in that time you can find where they again and again said the bricks have fallen, the bricks have fallen. But in the process of time, there was a 20-ton stone cut from the, quarried out of the mountains of New York that was brought to ground zero where the bricks had fallen and it was placed for the foundation of rebuilding and they called it the Stone of Freedom. The governor of New York, I believe it was George Pataki, I believe is his name, proclaimed in a ceremony as the stone was being laid, and he said this, We are heirs of the spirit of defiance as we lay this stone at ground zero. See, that's what Israel did. In defiance to God, they said, we're going to come back. We're going to come back stronger than before, but there was no repentance in Israel. And so we see that here, a parallel here in America. And in all actuality, this is not a stone of freedom, but rather a stone warning of impending coming national judgment upon America if she does not repent. And then there's another harbinger of the Shemitah. Well, what is a Shemitah? Well, let me explain. Every seventh year, the land of Israel was to rest. There was to be no farming to give the ground a rest. You see, farming implies commerce and profit. It was a Sabbath year. And it's interesting, the last day of that Shemitah year, the last day of that seventh year, Debts were to be canceled and finances to be erased. The people of Israel did not want to rest. 
but rather work on the Sabbath and make profit. Isn't it interesting that here in the United States, I remember, and I've said this before, I'll say it again, growing up as a child, on Sunday, things were dead as a doornail. The only thing you'd see is people dressed in a suit and tie coming to church. And in the time in which we now live, businesses are open on Sunday. You know that as well as I do. You can't tell the difference anymore in this nation between a Saturday and a Sunday. Sunday just like any other day. Not honoring the Sabbath. Well, Israel didn't honor that seventh year. That Shemitah. It's interesting to note that when Israel eventually went into captivity, they went into captivity for 70 years. Why 70 years? Because there were 70 Shemitahs, or Sabbath years, that they did not honor God and observe. Dear friends, let me tell you, God's going to get His. I said God will get His. I said God will get His. We talk about the tithe, 10% holy to the Lord, it belongs to the Lord. I tell you what, the Lord's going to get what's His. How many of you know it's all His? How many of you know it's an honor or privilege that He allows us to keep 90, isn't it? But you need to honor the Lord. Can you say amen? I'd rather have a blessed 90 than a cursed 100. How about you? But it's interesting here in America... That from 9-11-2001 on the Hebrew calendar now, on the Hebrew calendar, it's just interesting. I believe it's a harbinger, something that we need to look at and be aware of. Exactly seven years to the day from the attack of 9-11 in 2008, on that last Shemitah day, the stock market on Wall Street had a massive Crash. Does anybody remember that? How many remembers that? It's affecting you right now. In case you don't realize that. It's interesting. Shemitah means to release or to let fall or it could even mean to erase. And how many of you know on that day there was a lot of wealth that was erased? It's interesting as you look at it, God's fingerprints were all over that. Seven is God's number. Seven years from 9-11, there was a 7% fall and the stock market lost 777 points. And these are just the ones I'm mentioning here in the message. Again, another warning, another warning, another warning. And God shook America again in 2008. But still, there's no national repentance. President Bush... Rather than calling the nation to repentance, he says, go shopping. President Obama, rather than calling the nation to repentance, says in that address to Congress, we will rebuild. But there was no call to national repentance. It's interesting, there's another harbinger, and this one of all of them just blows me away. I have to be honest with you, what I'm about, I had no idea of any of this. Thank God that the revelation was given to this good man that we've mentioned. But what I'm about to share with you, I had no idea. This one of all of them just blows me out of the water. Listen to this. Judgment, there is a principle in scripture that judgment will return to the ground of consecration. Judgment will return to the place of dedication or consecration. When Solomon's temple was finished back in ancient Israel, Solomon dedicated the temple and Israel to Almighty God. Prayers were offered and Israel was warned what would happen if they ever left God and stopped serving him. When the Assyrians attacked Israel in that initial contained limited strike, they hit this temple mount and and some other places, but they hit this temple mount, the place where Israel had been dedicated to God. Israel's leaders then said in defiance, 
The bricks have fallen, but we will rebuild with hewn stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we will replace them with cedars. And in Israel, I'll say it again, a rebuilding without national repentance. But you see, judgment came back. That strike came back. God lifted his hand and that strike came back to the place of consecration or dedication. Now, God continued to warn Israel. And approximately 10 years after this initial strike from the Assyrians, there was no national repentance and God wiped Israel off the map. Listen to this. This is what blows me away. On the first day... America existed as a fully functioning nation. The day that George Washington was sworn in as president. April 30th, 1789. He, George Washington, like Solomon in Israel, warned America what would happen if she ever stopped serving God. In Washington's inaugural address, he said this, among some other things, he said this. We ought to be no less persuaded that the propitious smiles of heaven can never be expected on a nation that disregards the eternal rules of order and right which heaven itself has ordained. In other words... If America ever stops serving God, heaven will no longer smile on her. Now, after Washington gave his inaugural address in the Federal Hall, after this speech, the very first act that George Washington and the other governmental representatives did, First time as a fully functioning government of America. Here's what they did. They went on foot to a small stone chapel called St. Paul's Chapel. And for two hours they prayed and they dedicated America to Almighty God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, this is what blows me away. This little stone chapel that they went to is not in Philadelphia. It's not in Washington, D.C., but it's in New York City. It's in lower Manhattan at the corner of Ground Zero. The Twin Towers were built on land that was once owned by St. Paul's Chapel. And all I can say to that is, wow, God's judgment returned to the ground of consecration. Right where Washington and the others dedicated this nation to Almighty God is where those planes eventually flew in to those buildings. I didn't know that. I wasn't aware of that. But it's got my attention. And it should have your attention. On 9-11, there was only one building at ground zero that was left unscathed. You know what building that was? It was that little stone chapel. You saw the destruction on 9-11, all those buildings in ruin. But this little stone chapel, St. Paul's Chapel was left basically unscathed. And the people of the United States deemed it a miracle. And it is a miracle. In fact, a shock wave went out from from ground zero on 9-11 and cracked the foundation of the Federal Hall where George Washington gave that inaugural address that we just mentioned. Yet, The little church was not damaged. There's a scripture that says if the foundation be destroyed, what shall the people of God do? It's interesting that that little church was spared on 9-11. And it's interesting that sycamore that we talked about that was knocked down... That sycamore tree was what protected that little church from being destroyed. 
So, this is not a message today of gloom and doom. But rather to say these harbingers are warning signs that God's judgment is pending upon America. But if we have national repentance, God's judgment can be stayed or stopped. And America, like St. Paul's Chapel, can be spared. In 1950, Kenneth E. Hagin had a vision from God. In part concerning America. It's recorded in his book, I Believe in Visions. It's published in 1989. In the vision about America, he saw, now listen to this. He saw the skyline of a large city. This is in 1950. Thank God for prophets of God that see things ahead of time. Give me some 9-10 prophets. I'm so sick and tired of 9-12 prophets. Any, any fool can get up and prophesy on 9-12 after the buildings have fallen. But give me some 9-10 prophets. Give me some real men of God. Give me some real prophets that see things ahead of time. Can you say amen? Give me somebody that can see something some 50 51 years before it happens. That's a man of God. Not somebody. You had everybody and their brother up on 9-12 prophesying. Where were they on 9-10? Probably out feasting and playing instead of fasting and praying. Give me some men of God. Give me some men of God that walk under the anointing of God. Amen. This man saw this some 50 years. Listen what he saw. In this vision in 1950 in Rockwall, Texas, concerning America, he saw this, and it's recorded in his book. It's, it's, it's published. You can go look at it. In the vision about America, he saw the skyline of a large city with skyscrapers as burned out hulls and portions of the city laying in ruins. Now, if that's not 9-11, I don't know what is. On 9-11, we saw the skyline of a large city. We saw skyscrapers as burned out hulls and portions of that city lying in ruins. And it's interesting what the Lord went on to say in that vision. America is receiving her last warning and call to repentance. America is receiving her last warning and call to repentance. America is receiving her last warning and call to repentance. When was that? I believe, personally, it was on 9-11-2001. Is when America received her last warning and call to repentance. I remember the atmosphere. I'm talking about the spiritual atmosphere the day after 9-11 on 9-12. Remember 9-11 was on a Tuesday. 9-12 was on a Wednesday. I remember that Wednesday night coming to this church to preach, you know, and minister. And I remember this building was almost filled to capacity. Because you see... The people wouldn't listen. They wouldn't listen to men of God. They wouldn't listen to the word of God. They wouldn't listen. I'm not talking now about church people. I'm talking about, we had people here, I had no, I had no clue who they were. You see, they wouldn't listen to weekly messages. They wouldn't listen to men of God or women of God proclaiming the word of God. But I tell you what, you get those buildings falling down like we had in 9-11. It got this nation's attention and it brought people, and it wasn't this, just this church, but, but it was all over the, the land. The churches were, people were coming, people were coming, people were coming. I remember back in, and this, and you see, that was God's intention for, 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 for there to be national repentance. 
I was interviewed on a morning Christian talk show back then. Several days after 9-11. And I remember the interviewer asked me a question. Said, said uh, have, have, have your attendances been up at the church? And I said, yes, sir, they have been. And he said, what do you think about that? And I said, well, I think that's wonderful. And then I said this. I said, I just hope two months from now, three months from now, that it's still that away. And of course, you know as well as I do, that those people that came out, and this is not just here in this church, but I've checked it out throughout the land. See, people got real religious. They got real patriotic. Thank God for being patriotic. But I tell you what, this was a time for national repentance. But that did not occur. And my concern was realized as I saw as weeks went by that those people went right back to their feasting and playing instead of fasting and praying. So you say, where is America? Where is America, Pastor Terry? Where is America right now? I believe America is in that time. Talked about over in the book of Revelation where those people had fallen in sin. This lady had fallen in sin. And God says, I have given her time or space to repent. And I believe that's where the United States is right now. After 9-11, after the... Economic crash of 2008. If you'll remember right from this platform, under the anointing of God, by the Spirit of God, God warned us months and months ahead of time before that fall, 2008, that economic crash. God's warning us and warning us and warning this nation, warning this nation, warning this nation. And we're in that time now, I believe, without any doubt, we're in that time right now of that space to repent. That time to repent. God warns and then he gives time. He'll warn again and again and then he gives time. But I'm here today to tell you that Unless there is a national repentance like they had in Nineveh. How many of you remember Nineveh? Nineveh, sinful place. God said to Jonah, said, Arise, go to Nineveh and preach unto it the message that I give you. See, we need preachers in this land standing in pulpits preaching messages that they did not get out of a suggestion box. Messages that aren't going to please the people, but standing under the power and the anointing of God, preaching the message to the people and to the nation, the message that God has given them. Can anybody say amen? And Jonah went in there, the process of time after he came out of the fish, and he began to proclaim, and he said, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be destroyed. He didn't go in there with three points and a poem. He didn't go in there to try to entertain the people. He didn't go in there to try to please the people. He went in there and he said, thus saith the Lord, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be destroyed. He preached under the power of God. And they had a national repentance. They had a national revival. The Bible said that the word came to the king of Nineveh, and, and the king proclaimed repentance in the land and repentance was was done by the king all the way from the greatest down to the least they even had the the the, the livestock and the animals in sackcloth and ashes i mean brother they repented they turned from their sin they turned to god and god spared them and judgment did not come and we need some men of god to stand up in this land and proclaim that judgment is pending upon this nation and it needs to get to the president and it needs to get to the senate and it needs to get to the house and they need to begin to proclaim not only from the pulpits but from the capital that we need to repent and turn to God and to his son Jesus Christ. Can anybody say amen? I asked the leader not long ago, just a couple of weeks ago, of perhaps the largest Christian television ministry in America. What is the future for America if she does not change course and repent? And the man answered that quick. 
This is a man of God. And he said, America's doomed. If she doesn't repent. I remember we have another harbinger. We have ministers in the land. There's quote unquote prophets on television. And different ones that they continually proclaim blessing on America, blessing on America, blessing on America. Listen, I say God bless America. I'm glad to be an American. I want God's blessing on this land. But dear friends, you can't have the blood of of, of the babies that's being spilled in this land. You can't have that going on day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. You can't have babies being killed by, by, by the scores and expect God's blessing on it. Repentance. You can't, you can't have a nation that's the, the number one exporter of, of pornography and propagator of pornography. You can't have that going on and have God's blessing on it. You can't, I mean, I mean, look at what's going on in this nation. Homosexuality. Look. I love homosexuals. I, I, I love them. I wish they, they, they'd come to the church, but, and I wouldn't beat them up. But, but listen, we've got to tell them the truth. Homosexuality is condemned in this book. It's not an alternative lifestyle. It's, it's sin. And now we even have, what is it, the Oreo cookie company, I believe it is. They've made a gay pride cookie now. Where the center isn't white, but it's all different colors in honor of homosexuality. My God, friends. You can't have that stuff going on and expect God's blessing. I want America to be blessed. I want America to be great again. Folks, this isn't the nation that I grew up in. It's different. Headed down a wrong road. I know there's, there's, there's different pockets of people that love God. But by and large, this nation is like Israel, turned away from God. And just like Israel had, quote unquote, prophets, false prophets, crying out, blessing, 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 blessing. Israel's blessed. Israel. So you got men standing and women saying, it's blessed. nation's blessed. Nation's blessing, blessing. You can't have the blessing of God and continue to practice sin like we have. Another harbinger, another parallel to Israel and her ultimate judgment. Jonathan Kahn, who wrote that book, The Harbinger, said, as humble, Pat Robertson had him on, I was listening, and he looked in the television camera, humble, And he said, America, Pat Robertson said, where do you think America is? He said, America is in dangerous times and in need of national repentance. And I agree. I'll tell you you something else. Listen to this. America is in danger, all right. Not of what the Democrats might do or the Republicans might do, and that's dangerous enough. But there's something far more Something far more that we need to be concerned about, and that's the impending judgment of Almighty God. Now, Brother Hagin in that vision went on to say, and you know, if, you're, if you attend here regularly, I usually don't, you know, we're, we're, we're in this book, we're in this book, we're in this book, right? Now, we were in the book when we started today, and we're still in the book. I, I seldom share men's revelations and, and th- prophecies. I seldom do that. But it was appropriate for today. Brother Hagin went on to say, now listen to this. When he saw those that skyscrapers as burned out hulls, he went on to say, as he saw those burned out hulls and portions of that city laying in ruin, he went on to say there would not only be, this is what he, I didn't say this, this is what he said, there would not only be one such city destroyed, burned and in ruins, but there would be many such cities. Sobering, isn't it? But also in that 
message that he gave, that prophecy that, that he gave, in conjunction with this, the Lord also said, if you believe he, he heard from the Lord, whether, whatever, however you stand on that, but this is what, pretty accurate as far as I'm concerned, this is what he also said, that this was the last great revival. So there's potential for revival. There's potential for revival. There's potential for revival in this land and national repentance. But it won't happen unless the people's hearts are turned to God. There can be revival, but the people's hearts must be turned to God. And there must be national repentance. And remember this, repentance always precedes true revival. Sobering message today. We've been given as a nation time to repent. And if there's national revival, the judgment of God can be stayed or stopped. Notice we'll close in 2 Chronicles 7.14. 2 Chronicles 7.14. 2 Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and this was given to Solomon, by the way, in conjunction with that dedication and the Temple Mount and all of that. So this scripture fits right in the context here of what we're talking about today. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And you know the thing that just jumps out at me is if my people, if my people, not even talking to sinners here, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. I'll tell you one of the greatest sins, you know, we talk about homosexuality, but I tell you what, in my opinion, this is my opinion, one of the greatest sins that we have in this land is that Christians don't go vote, so many of them. I talked to this leader of this ministry, as I was telling you, and he said that if all the Christians in the nation would go vote, we could change Washington, D.C. And I've seen Christians over the years, they want to get down and pray, 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 and I believe in that. Believe me. But you can pray till you're blue in the face, but if you don't go out and vote, that's just faith without works. And faith without works, the Bible says, is what? Is dead. Praying is not going to do you any good if you don't go out and vote. We need to pray, all right, but we need to go vote. He said if all the Christians would just get together and go vote the Word of God. Just go vote the Word of God. Go vote the Word of God. In a process of time, this nation, those representatives, those evil representatives, could be, they won't repent, they could be voted out, we could get godly ones in there, and we could see the nation start to turn back to God. Amen? If my people who are called by my name, we've got so many church folks, I'm not just meaning this, I'm talking about throughout, as I've studied and, and, and I've been doing this a long time, I've been watching this for years and years and years, so many Christians that are feasting and playing instead of fasting and praying. So many Christians that the house of God isn't important to them really anymore. They, they come more out of, out of religious responsibility or duty than they do for a love for God. Folks, don't come out of here uh, just because it's some religious thing to do. Come because you're excited about God and you're stirred up about God and you want to worship God and you want to honor God the first part of the first day of the week and dedicate that week to Him. Can you say amen? See what I'm saying? If my people... If my people, 
I'm talking about my people. Stop going to R-rated movies. They have all kinds of cussing and all kinds of sexual innuendo in them. If my people would quit, quit gossiping and quit backbiting, we talk about the sin of homosexuality, but what about the sin of gossip and backbiting and, 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 and spreading rumor? What about that? I'll tell you something about that. I've watched it for years. How many Christians, you know what I mean by just spreading little rumors, spreading little this, little that, little that. Have you heard the latest? Have you... To hear what he did, hear what she did. I'm telling you what, if my people would stop all that sin, my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Oh, I sure, I would rather humble myself than have to have God humble me. How about you? Humble themselves and pray. And pray. Real loud say, and pray. And pray and seek my face. I'll tell you right now, this is very sobering. Very sobering. Very sobering. But if I said to you that for the next three Sunday nights, we're going to come here and we're going to humble ourselves and we're going to pray. If we have four or five people show up, it'd be a landslide. And that's not just true of this church. I've talked with other pastors. If my people, see, if if God's people would again get stirred up, if God's people would again humble themselves, if God's people would get get a, a, a fervency for prayer and seeking the face of God, you want to prosper? Seek God. You want to you want to do well? Seek God. The Bible says of King Uzziah, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God is a rewarder of those who seek. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Jesus said. And all these things, these needs of your daily life will be added unto you. Can you say amen? amen. If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Stop that gossip and stop that backbite. Stop all that. Then I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin. God is a good God and he's a forgiver. And he gives space to repent. And that's where America is. Space to repent. I'll forgive their sin and heal their land. If there is not national repentance in this land, the judgment of God will be visited on it. In a mighty, mighty way. Yeah, but America is great. God's greater. And he can shake something to its core. Did you hear me? But it doesn't have to be that way because God is a good God and he gives time to repent. And that's where this nation is. Take this to heart today and stand as we close with a word of prayer. Hallelujah. 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 Why don't you just take the hand of the person next to you there. We'll just close with just a brief word of prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We know that you are a good God. You're just and righteous. This is a people here, Lord, that we are called by your name. We humble ourselves in your sight. With a repentant heart, we turn from any sin, any wickedness that's in our lives. We ask you to forgive us. Lord, we stand before you in intercession for this nation. In intercession, standing in the gap. And Lord, we see these parallels in this nation that we saw in ancient Israel. 
and your judgment came upon her. We know that your judgment is impending upon this nation. We stand in the gap for this nation. Even as Abraham stood in the gap for Sodom. And he said, in the event, Lord, that there were 50 righteous, would you not spare the city? 40 righteous, would you not spare the city? 30 righteous, would you not spare the city? 20 righteous, would you not spare the city? And 10, 10, if there be 10 righteous, would you not spare the city? And Lord, you said now, you said that yes, find ten righteous, spare the city. Of course, the angels went in and couldn't find those ten, and the city was destroyed. So, Lord, I stand. This this people stands before you this morning in the gap for this nation. And, sir, we know that you're no respecter of persons. You're, if you would spare. Sodom, for the sake of 50 righteous, wouldn't you do the same for America? I'm confident, Lord, that there's 50 righteous people in this land. So we ask that you'd spare us. And that judgment would be stayed. But I know that it can't be stayed continuously. Because it will eventually fall unless there be repentance. So we pray and ask that that judgment would be stayed long enough. Long enough, sir. Long enough for Christians to hear the word of the Lord. Long enough for Christians to get stirred back up. Long enough for the pulpits to get back on fire. I know there's many that are on fire, but but the ones that have grown cold, that those pulpits would get back on fire with preaching the gospel of the death, burial, resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, with the preaching of righteousness. And that the people would heed what's being spoken by the by your ministers and your flames of fire and that fire would catch that spiritual fire would catch back upon the people of God and they'd humble themselves and pray and then they'd rise up and they'd go to the voting polls and vote the ungodly out and the godly in and in the process of time and I know this is all Depending on your coming. But in the event that... I know your coming is, is at hand. But in the event... You know how we live, Lord. We're prepared as though you're going to come in the next five seconds. But we plan as though you're not going to come in our lifetime. The process of time. As the righteous rule. And the people rejoice in those supreme court. Justices can be positioned at your hand not Republican or Democrat but godly Christian to stand up for what's right so Lord we ask that you'd stay the judgment thank you for this time to repent you'll not destroy the United States if there's 50 righteous 40, 30, 20, 10 righteous just ask that the judgment would be stayed long enough the people of God, the pulpits and the people to get back where they need to be. They stand up as patriots and go and vote. Let the righteous rule again in this nation. And so that is our prayer. May there be a repentance in the United States like there was in Nineveh. From the king all the way down to the cattle. From the king to the cattle. That is our prayer. That is where we stand. We thank you for this great nation in which we live. And we're grateful for it. Yes. Oh yes. And that forgive us for the slaughter of the innocents. 
forgive us. Forgive us. <laughs> forgive this nation for the slaughter of the innocents. Innocent babies. <laughs> forgive us. Forgive this nation. Forgive us, oh God. Oh, let the righteous rule again and may that murder be outlawed in this nation. Oh, may this nation hear the word of God. May it hear the word of the first president, George Washington. If we leave God, the smiles of of God cannot be on the nation. Oh God, let this again be a nation that you can smile on. We know you use this nation, but oh, if we'd be a righteous nation, how much more could it be used to spread the word, the good news of Jesus? Well, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, there'll be some men and women standing up here to introduce you to him. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, there's not a better time to do it than right now. When we dismiss this service in just seconds from now, if you don't know Jesus, you don't know where you stand with him, you don't know if you're going to heaven or hell, any question at all, come up. There'll be some men and women up here. Say, hey, I need to know Jesus. I want to know Jesus. They'll introduce you to him. If you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit with evidence speaking with other tongues,